I want to start in Genesis 11. While you're getting your Bibles ready, I want to thank Miroslav. Honestly, superb ministry. Um, and today was excellent in, in our service. If you missed that, please watch it online. It was beautiful. Very, very encouraged in that. Um, I want to talk to you this morning about the end of the age. I want to talk to you about the things that are happening in our lifetime. I believe in the coming of the Lord. I just want you to understand that I believe in the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ. I believe that Jesus is going to come at any moment. We don't know. At any moment, he's going to come in the air and he's going to call his church away. And the dead in Christ are going to rise. And then we who are alive on the earth, we're going to be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. I believe the Lord will take the church out of the world. And the next seven years, approximately, I assume it'll start on the heels of this. But there could be a little bit of a play right there. But then there'll be the this seven-year tribulation that the Bible speaks of. That will primarily be a tribulation to bring Israel to repentance. That Israel would receive Jesus Christ as the Savior and the Messiah of her life. Um, I believe that there's going to be an Antichrist that comes on the world scene. And is going to be very powerful and mighty. We're going to see some of that today. And I don't believe those things because they're nice to believe. Or because it's just what others before me have believed. I believe those things because I believe they're scripturally proven. And I believe they're scripturally true. And I, I, I just come to that. And I'm going to take you through some of that. Of course not all of it today. But I'm going to take you through some of that. Because I believe it's important for us to understand it. Peter said in his epistle that in the last days there would be scoffers that come. And they'll just kind of scoff about the coming of the Lord because, you know, everybody's talked about the Lord coming and everybody said Jesus is coming back. But everything continues just like it always has been. You know, our nation's in trouble right now. We're experiencing high inflation. We're experiencing high gas prices. Some of us can remember the Carter years where there were gas lines and fights and shootings and those gas lines just trying to get gas. And so we could look back and there was the years of the Depression back in the 20s and so forth. And we could look back. Back in history and we can see tumultuous times that have occurred even in American history. And a lot of times we would just take these moments right now. And we would just think, well, it's just something else that we're going through. It's just going to, we're going to work through it. We're going to come through it. We're going to get some political leadership that helps us do a little bit better and decreases inflation and, and, and helps energy cost and all of this. And that's the way men kind of work. And for men that this is their only hope in life, I don't blame them for hoping for that. But for us as Christians, we understand that the world is going to get cataclysmically worse. It is going to be so severe. There are going to be pandemics in the earth. Men are going to increase in their violence and their hatred towards one another. There's going to be greater perversion that happens in society. There's going to be greater racism. When the Bible says nation shall rise against nation, that's tribe or clan against tribe or clan. It's not so much world wars like, you know, America against China or North Korea or Germany or whatever it might be. It's more clans against clans, which is, tends to be racial division vision and racial fight and the example of healing and the example of unity should only be displayed can only be truly displayed through the church of Jesus Christ where there is no racism and there is no division for we're all brothers in Christ and there is no distinction between each other in Jesus Christ and so that's the power of the blood of Jesus and so I just want you to understand there are things that the Bible says directly are going to take place 
And we should not be afraid to look at that because I believe we need to be preaching the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of the Lord. I've given this before and I I just share it with you right now. Didn't really intend going here, but I'm going to take a moment and do it. And I know that there are references in the Bible that as in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the last days. And as in the days of Lot, so shall it be in the last days. And we like to look at that and we think about the days of Noah and the days of Lot. And we see a lot of perversion and we find the judgment of God that comes. Lot was a righteous man. The Bible says that Noah was a righteous man. And Noah is commanded to build an ark in order that people who want to escape this judgment of God can get into the ark and escape it. And so Noah begins to build an ark for a rain that's coming. And there's never been rain on the earth before this. And he's prophesying rain. He's prophesying the judgment of God. And nobody takes him seriously. Nobody believes him. The only people that Noah gets on the boat are his, his own family. And that's the only ones that believe Noah enough to get, a, get into that ark to survive this coming wrath of God upon the planet where God is going to destroy every living thing that is on the earth in, in that flood. And so Noah's preaching righteousness and he's preaching the coming judgment of God. And he does this for a long time. For years and years and years, Noah's preaching this. And he's mocked and he's ridiculed and he's scorned and nobody believes him. And as I said, eight souls were saved through Noah's preaching in his ministry. But I could only imagine as Noah was coming to the fulfillment of that ark and its completion. And the judgment of God was ready to come. And God put Noah into the ark with his family and God shut the door. And when God shut that door, no man's going to open that door but God. And I can only imagine as Noah and his family are safe inside that ark. And maybe the people that would come to mock Noah every day had begun to gather around and begin to mock him again as Noah and his family are inside the ark. And then all of a sudden there becomes an upheaval in the atmosphere. All of a sudden, the earth begins to tremble because this wasn't some gentle rain. This was an explosion of the waters that were under the earth and the waters that were above the earth. This is what created canyons and mountains. This was a violent convulsion of the earth. And so I could only imagine as this earth began to have its convulsion that people began to stand there and say, Oh my God, Noah was right. And I could imagine them beating on that door. Noah, open up. Let me in. Let me in. And it was too late. It was too late for them. And judgment came. I believe we should be preaching the kingdom of God. I believe we should be warning men of what is about to happen on the earth. And we shouldn't be ashamed of that. We shouldn't be afraid of it. People don't want to view God as a God of judgment or a God that will pour out wrath. But he does. Not because he's unmerciful but because he wants to institute an everlasting kingdom of his son. And he wants men to turn and repent. And so God brings judgment. And I can only imagine that if we were the preachers that we need to be in this hour right now and not trying to say, you're, 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 you know, all you got to do is come to Jesus Christ and everything's going to be fine and all of this. There's a hardship in following Jesus. Andrew's been preaching beautifully about persecution for those that love Jesus Christ. And so we begin to preach the coming of the Lord. We begin to preach that Jesus is going to return. He's going to come and get his church and there's going to be a judgment that comes to this earth for seven years. And the Bible says there's never been 
with a judgment like it before, there will never be another judgment like it again on the earth. There are going to be demons released out of pits and hell that literally torment men on the earth. Men are going to cry to die, but death will escape them. The, the heavens are going to convulse. The, the sun is going to intensify in its strength and scorch men on the earth. And the Bible says if those days weren't cut short, there would be no flesh left alive. We would begin to preach that warning, come into the ark. The ark is Jesus Christ. Escape the wrath of God. Believe the gospel of Jesus. Put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and come into this ark and save your life and believe on Jesus Christ. But yet people begin to mock and people begin to scorn that. What kind of God would? And you fill in the blank and all these things begin to happen. And I know that the rapture is going to take place in the twinkling of an eye. Like that, it's going to take place. But perhaps the event of the rapture may take just a little bit longer than the twinkling of an eye. Maybe the event of the rapture will not be as quick as we've been programmed to think. But perhaps the rapture of the church will take maybe several minutes. Maybe maybe it'll take just a little bit of a moment in the day. And perhaps Jesus Christ will descend from heaven and he will remain in the clouds. And people will see him and people will recognize this phenomena that is happening in the heavens. And as they mock the gospel preachers and they mock the church of Jesus Christ who have warned them about a coming judgment. All of a sudden in the twinkling of an eye the dead in Christ rise up. And those who are alive are changed into immortal bodies and caught up with Jesus in the air. And they see it. The world sees it. And then the world just kind of sits back and says, my God, they were right. They were right. Those Christians were right. They told us about something like this, that they were going to escape this earth like that. And it happened and we saw it and they're right. Because right in the beginning of the tribulation period in Revelation chapter 6, nobody in the world is trying to figure out where the Christians went. Nobody in the world is trying to figure out what happened to, let's say, a billion people that just suddenly exited the earth. Nobody's wondering what's going on. Nobody's saying a UFO came and got them. Nobody's saying these. You know what they're saying? And in, in, in Revelation chapter 6, the kings of the earth and the great people of the earth are saying, this is the wrath of the Lamb of God. They know it's the work of God. And I, I just believe that perhaps... We should be the preachers of this gospel that will compel people to come into the ark, which is Jesus Christ, which I'm very excited about and very excited to do. I came across this in Genesis chapter 11 not long ago, and I've just been fixed upon this passage of scripture. It's as though so much revelation is coming out of it to me that I will probably speak to you about this for some weeks to come, and I want you to read this with me, please. And, and here's, here's the deal. I'd, I'd like for you to read Genesis 11, and I'd like for you to go to Daniel and 2 Thessalonians 2 and Revelation 13. And, and these are the passages of Scripture I'd like to read today, but if you'd find those so that we can turn quickly to them and read those Scriptures together, I would appreciate it. I'd like for you to bring your Bibles to church. You need to check the preacher out all the time. And you need to mark in your Bibles, you know, things that stand out or in your notes. And Genesis 11 says, The whole earth was of one language and of one speech. 
And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar. You will find this plain. This is in Babylon. You will find this mentioned throughout the Bible. And they dwelt there. And they said one to another. It's amazing. In the, in the book of Revelation, it talks about Babylon and mystery Babylon. And isn't it funny? Or It's not really funny, but it's interesting that in the beginning of God's word, in the beginning of time, it mentions Babylon. And at the end of time, it mentions Babylon. The end is contained in the beginning. And there's nothing new under the sun. And so they said in verse 3, one to another, go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, slime they had for mortar. And they said, go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven and let us make a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Why do they want to build a city and a tower? Verse 4. So they would not be scattered upon the face of the whole earth. That's why they wanted to do it. They wanted unity. They wanted to be one people. Now what was the tower that they would build unto heaven? It's not a skyscraper. Our technology have built taller skyscrapers or buildings unto heaven than the Tower of Babel. It was astrology. It was the occult. And the people in that day, rather than worshiping God and wanting God, they wanted to maintain their global unity through the power of the occult. This is very important. And they wanted this unity that they believed that the occultic or dark powers would be able to give them. And so they began to build this city and build this tower that they might tap in to very dark powers. And their whole desire is so that we would not be scattered upon the face of the whole earth. It's interesting that that's exactly what God comes and does to them. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And he said, behold, the people is one and they have all one language and this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. Isn't it amazing that some of us growing up and we remember the old sci-fi shows, the old William Shatner, Star Trek, you know, remember these kind of things and, and his phone, it just flips and, you know, he's talking to somebody and pictures. And now we've got those. Everybody's got things even better. You know, we've got things like that. And um, and so forth. It, man imagines it. They begin to be able to produce it. So God says in verse 7. Let us go down and there confound their language. That they may not understand one another's speech. Why does God want to do this? God wants to do this because God knows that whatever they, they imagine in this unity. Whatever they imagine they will be able to produce it. And their power is going to stem from an occultic power, an occultic means. And so instead of God allowing this to take place, he comes and he brings confusion, which is what we've grown up hearing, the Tower of Babel. And so he confuses their language. In verse 8, the Lord scattered them abroad from there upon the face of the, all the earth, and they left off to build the city. And so this is the story that we grew up as kids listening to in Sunday school and so forth. 
But the Lord's just really been given some revelation of this to me about the beginning of time and the end of time. And in the beginning of time, you find here, even in Genesis chapter 11, the very beginning, really, of human history, you find the spirit of Antichrist at work. You find the satanic desire that if I can mobilize and I can unite mankind under my influence and my power, I will be able to produce through them incredible things. God affirms this. And so God confuses their language. In the confusion of their language, God scatters them upon the face of the earth. Now, I'm not quite sure how long ago the Tower of Babel was, but let's say it's 4,000, maybe 4,500 years ago. So in the last 4,500 years, Satan has been working aggressively to once again unite humanity. Because if I can unite humanity and I can empower humanity then perhaps I can begin to raise a revolt against God where I could be successful. And so Satan has this desire in his heart for global unity. That's why you hear the heads of nation talking about a one world order or a global unity. Now this doesn't catch God by surprise. God understands and God knows and God is going to allow this to happen. God is going to allow a one world religion, a one world government, and a one world monetary system. God is going to allow it. But God confused them so well that it it has taken the enemy roughly 4,000 plus years to begin to develop technology, computers, translators, things of that nature. So that the ability to communicate across lines and across cultures and across languages can be done practically now at the speed of light. And that world is becoming unified again. And what is the desire of the devil? To be the power of it. And if I can be the power of it and I can unite mankind, then I can begin to fulfill my agenda or my desire, which is to revolt against God. And to revolt against his plans. And bring destruction to all that God has ever wanted. You see, the globalists that are operating in the world today and, and, and probably for hundreds of years in the past. And I'm not here as a conspiracy theorist. But I'm just saying that the globalists today are operating for the most part. I'm not saying every single one of them. But the globalists today are operating for the most part in the spirit of Antichrist. When you hear world leaders, and I'm not simply talking about politicians or kings, I'm just talking about world leaders like Bill Gates, and you hear people like this talking about the reduction of the human population. There are too many people on the earth. We need to reduce its population. It is easier to unify a smaller number of people than a large number of people. Marxism is the attempt to unify all people. Marxism is a religion. Communism is a form of government. And Marxism's philosophy is is to bring unity through force. And so you see these things that are operating today. The, The decrease in the human population upon the earth is a desire of globalists. I don't know if you've looked at that. That's not some secret thing. And that is what they desire to do because it's easier to get that unity. It's not that the devil needs hundreds of billions of people to fulfill his desire. He just needs a people who are unified. And if I can have a unity of people and I can empower that people, then I will begin to implement my desires upon the earth. 
And God allows this technology to develop to the degree that he has. So that in God's timetable and not before, not in Genesis 11, but at the end of the age, God is going to allow that world to become one again. And Jesus Christ is going to return to this earth and he is going to destroy that demonic power. And those that have operated under it are through it. I want you to understand there is something to the, to what they're saying. There is something to what people in our society around the world are promoting. There's something to the fact that the world will end. A few years ago, it was 12 years. Now it's nine years. And they're still saying that. The world will end in nine years. There's something to that. There's something to the multiverse that scientists now have begun to investigate and through scientific research are finding things that seem to give legitimate proof to a multiverse. There is a multiverse. There is a whole multiverse going on right now in this room that you are not even seeing or understanding. Angels. The kingdom of God, the principality and powers of the devil are existing in this room right now while you're existing in this room. And God is a universe to himself. These things are happening right now, but the world is coming to this. How does the world come to this? They don't come to it in the way that the Bible tells us to come to it. They are being fed demonic information. When people are telling us that the world, if we're not careful, is going to burn up and there is global warming. Did John not prophesy, which could be in a matter of years from right now, that the sun is going to become so hot that it scorches men upon the earth? Did he not say that? Did he not prophesy pandemics and famines and pestilences? Did he not say that? But the devil doesn't want us to know that this is God's judgment. So the devil says this is carbon emissions that's doing it. I don't care how they believe it. I don't care what they believe. I just don't want them to believe God. So let's just let them think it's the buildup of carbon or whatever it is. It's, it, it, it's, the, it's, the, it's the manipulation or the abusive use of the earth's natural resources. That's why we're doing this. And, and, and so if the devil knows the world will buy into that, then let them buy into that. But these things that they're talking about have a significant reality. Even when you look at the scripture, and Republicans don't talk about this. And yet so many people put their hopes in Republicans. Who are supposed to be men and women of God, but, but they probably hardly ever read their Bibles. They probably hardly ever pray. They get told by some maybe Christian influence in their life what they should say. But what, what good have they done in regards to anybody else that's trying to operate and, and, and run this country in a moral and godly way? I mean, to be honest about that. So, probably stepped on everybody's toes now. Republicans, independents, Democrats, so whatever. But my hope is not in them. And they're certainly not the voice of God. They might be the voice of politics. They might be a voice of a nation. They might be a constitutional voice. But they're not the voice of God. And the voice of God needs to speak up in this hour because we are the ones with the spiritual authority to say what is actually happening and to uncover what has taken place. And yet so few even see it. The sons of Issachar were wise in their day because they knew what they needed to do. And yet when we 
see what is going on in the world, in the church world today, it seems to be very strange indeed what we should do and, and what we should be about and what has actually taken place in the world today. And so we're going to come back to this over the next few weeks and study in this. But the globalists are working through the spirit of Antichrist, that desire for a one world unity, that desire to be empowered by an occultic source of power that will be able to generate itself upon mankind. The spirit has been working since the fall of man, and John says it continues to work even in his day. Now I want you to go to Daniel chapter 8. And I want you to follow with me just a few scriptures. Some of the things that Daniel says are tremendous. They're very powerful and worth knowing. And when you're in Daniel 8, just find, if you will, turn over to Revelation 13. Because we're going to go to there very quickly. I'd like to read these two together. And Daniel, and this is how marvelous the Bible is. I'm telling you guys, if you're not in the Bible, you're missing so much. The Bible is the most incredible book. There's so much of God's wisdom and God's understanding in it. In Daniel chapter 8, the Bible's, we're going to begin in verse 23. And in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors are come to the full, and this will be the kingdom of Rome, a king of fierce countenance, This is the Antichrist, a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up and his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. Keep your place and go to Revelation 13. We're coming back to this in just a moment. In Revelation 13, he's going to be powerful, but not by his own power. And what was the desire in Genesis 11 to build that tower was occultic power. Revelation 13 says, I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads, ten horns. Upon his horns, ten crowns. Upon his head, the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was likened to a leopard. His feet were as the feet of a bear. His mouth is the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power. Remember, his power was not his own. He was powerful through something else. And John says that his power was from the dragon. And so the Bible says in verse 2, the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. I saw one of his heads as it had been wounded to death and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon which gave power to the beast. And that dragon is Lucifer, Satan. And they worshipped the beast. They worshipped the dragon And they worship the beast, saying, who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? It was given to him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given to him to continue 42 months. He opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those that dwell in heaven. He had given to him, and it was given to him to make war with the saints. And to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds, tongues, and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. Those whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man hear, let him have an ear. And I pray to God that you have an ear this morning. Verse 11. I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb. 
And he spake as a dragon. He exercised all the power of the first beast, Antichrist, before him, which causes the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast or the Antichrist, whose deadly wound was healed. He does great wonders, so fire comes down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. He deceives those that dwell on the earth by means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast. Saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life to the image of the beast. And that image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would to not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he caused all both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond to receive a mark in their right hand or on their forehead. So without this you could not buy or sell. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 is the other passage I wanted you to read. And I want you to see this if you will. In 2 Thessalonians 2.5, remember not that when I was with you, I told you these things. And now you know what withholds that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doeth already work. Only he, he who now lets will let until he be taken out of the way. Something has to be taken out of the way. For the spirit of Antichrist to be manifest in Antichrist. That has to first be removed. Verse 7. Then verse 8. Then shall that wicked be revealed. Whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth. And shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan. There it is again. The Antichrist power is occult power. Satanic power. And his power is the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Just as John said in Revelation and Daniel said in chapter 8. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. For this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. That they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And so this is a very strong scripture. This is very, very strong. And it is uncovering so many aspects of this man of sin that is coming into the world. The Bible says of the man of sin, and this is from various passages in the New Testament and the Old Testament, he will bring strong delusion to the whole world. He will blaspheme God. All the world will worship him. He will be a miracle worker. He will set up his image that speaks like a man. He will cause every person to receive a mark. According to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that we just read, there are going to be people that sit in our churches who will one day worship the Antichrist because they did not believe the truth of God that they might be saved. They heard the truths of God. They sat under the truths of God. But they loved sin more than they loved the righteousness of God. Or loved the truth of God. And therefore they failed or refused to surrender their lives to God. And as a result of that, whenever that moment came of that which is holding back the manifestation of the Antichrist, which I believe is the church, and when the church is suddenly removed from the earth, that's when people might stand around and say, Oh my God, they were right. They were right. And I'm left here. 
And then people might who sit in our churches say, well, you know what? If I miss the rapture of the church, then I'll get serious with God and I'll follow Jesus Christ with all of my heart. Second Thessalonians says you won't. Second Thessalonians says God will make sure that he sends you a lying spirit so you will not believe the truth, but you will believe the lie and you will worship Antichrist. Some of you that hate religion, you're going to become so religious. Some of you that say you could never submit to a power, you're going to submit to the power of Antichrist. Some of you that say you could never follow God, you could never follow these things, that this is too hard and too difficult, you're going to be one of the most wonderful followers of a man that Satan himself empowers. Escape for your life now. Run into the ark now. Come to Jesus Christ now. It's not a game that we are playing. Suddenly, Jesus Christ could come back. Suddenly, the rapture of the church is in the twinkling of an eye. That change from the dead to life in these bodies is like that in the twinkling of an eye. And it is going to happen. Save yourself. Get ready to meet God. Quit saying everything continues as it has been before. Everything is not continuing the way it has been before. Everything is a linear progression to fulfill the plan of God. From the very beginning of time, since God confused their languages, Satan had one objective. How can I reunite that world of humanity? That is the goal that I have. If I can reunite them and cause them to be one, I can empower a human man on this earth with demonic power who can go around doing miracles and wonders and the world will believe me. Jesus said, I came in my father's name and you did not receive me. There's a man coming in his own name and him you are going to receive. The warnings have been given to us. John said, even the spirit of Antichrist is at work right now in our world today. And so we see these things happening in the world, and that was Satan's agenda. It's not, it's not circular. It's not just all oh, just life comes, a little bit of yin and yang, good and bad, and everything works itself out, and it shakes us. No, it's not. It's linear. And everything's coming to a showdown. Satan is moving in this direction, and God is moving in his direction, and they're going to meet face to face, and there's not even going to be a fight. From the spirit of the mouth of Jesus Christ is going to be the absolute destruction of the satanic antichrist kingdom. In a moment. In a moment. It's coming to a head. It's not circular. Everything doesn't just continue the way that it has before. I remember. I don't remember this. I wasn't alive. but Well maybe I was. But I don't remember ever seeing like gone with the wind. When the first curse word was ever spoken. In a movie. Right? My God. Look at it today. I mean, everything doesn't continue. It's a progression of evil. I'm moving it. But if I can move it slowly, people will not see the change. It will not be so offensive. It will not be so brazen if I can do it little by little by little by little by little. And he does it little by little by little by little. We become a little bit more desensitized, a little bit more blind to where now you have Christians who watch movies where God's name is being taken in vain. They curse Jesus Christ, the one who died for us. They blatantly mock God. And we pay for this kind of entertainment in our life because we have become desensitized to the spirit of this age. And yet we want to rescue the world. I know people say, hey, Pastor Lee, it's not how you build churches. But it might be how, how it keeps people right. Yes. Now listen, only the grace of God can do that. I just pray God's grace speaks to your life. I pray that the Holy Spirit speaks to your life. 
And that you understand it's not the same as it was. And it's not going to be the same as it is. Everything is coming to a showdown. And the lines are being drawn. And the fight is on. It is going on. It is going on right now. I have watched people forsake God for lesser things. I have watched Christians forsake God for lesser things. I am blown away by people who do not know their word. I am blown away by people who do not know really the personality and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ or the Holy Spirit or the very Father that sent the Lord Jesus into our life so that we could be saved. I am blown away by the biblical illiteracy of a young generation today that hardly knows the Bible at all, much less able to defend themselves against the onslaughts of this demonic culture. That's one reason I want to see a school. Floored by this. It breaks my heart. I lose sleep over it. As I weep for people that I have watched grow up in the faith. That grow up in Jesus Christ. So easily turn from him. For something that they want. And just forsake the Lord. On their way after that. No grieving. No conviction. No problem whatsoever. It would be different if there was conviction in it. But it's so troubling. And disheartening. I wanted to say these things about the Antichrist. Just for you to hear. The Bible identifies him as the bloody and deceitful man. It's raining y'all. So. We'll just stay for a minute. He's the bloody and deceitful man. The mighty man. The head of countries. The king of Babylon. The nail. The wicked and profane person, the vile person, the man of sin, the beast, the wicked man, the enemy, the violent man, the son of the morning, branch of terrible ones, little horn, willful king, son of perdition, antichrist, man of the earth, adversary, the Assyrian, the spoiler, the prince that shall come, the idle shepherd, the lawless one. His demise and all who follow him has been clearly sounded forth from the gospels of Jesus Christ. That he and those who take part with him will be destroyed by the Lamb of God. Serious thing. And we have to realize this. That though we are not so keen to see the maneuvering of the true battle and the true battleground and the true warfare... Don't underestimate that the spiritual principalities and powers that are operating, they do see it. And they do know. John even said in Revelation that the devil knows that his time is short. He knows it. The devil is probably very aware that the sides have been lined up and the end of the age of the battle is at hand. Why else is he saying the world will end in nine years? Now, we could just think that's foolish people. But maybe he sees something that we're not so sure about ourselves. But I can tell you this, that principalities and powers are at work. And the result of things that happen in the heavens will eventually manifest themselves in the things of the natural. We think this is it. But the spiritual world is it. And all of this is revealing spiritual truths. And so I don't have time to read it. I would encourage you to do it. It's in, it's in Daniel chapter 10. 
And please just let me give you an overview of it right now because you'll miss what I'm going to say. I really want you to read it. That's why I gave you the scripture. So read it, study it, but listen to what I want to tell you because for the sake of time. Daniel has a vision. He doesn't understand it. The vision troubles him so badly that he cannot rest. He's grieved and he's mourning for the understanding of this vision. So Daniel doesn't really eat or drink anything but water and bread for the next 21 days. All of a sudden, Daniel is confronted with an angelic being in his presence. And Daniel, as he's confronted with this being, the being speaks to him. It's Gabriel, the angel. And the angel speaks to Daniel and the angel says to Daniel, I want you to know that you're very beloved of God, Daniel. And I want you to understand the very first moment you started praying, God in heaven heard you. 21 days ago, God sent me to you with the answer. I was detained. I was held up in a spiritual war with the king of Persia. You see, there, there is, in the scriptures even verify this, there, there are demonic principalities and powers over particular nations or countries or cities or things of that nature, as well as there can be godly authorities and powers over those countries if they're following the Lord. That's why Jesus said there's sheep and goat nations that he's going to separate when he comes back. So this angel says to Daniel, I have been detained for the last 21 days dealing with this king of Persia in the fight. And so while I was detained by him, God sent Michael, one of the chief angels, to come and help me. And so Michael came and he helped me. And when Michael came, it gave me the opportunity to come to you and to give you the answer to this vision so that you might know it, Daniel, because God wants you to know it. And then the angel said to Daniel, now I'm about to leave and I'm going to go back and I'm going to help Michael. And Michael and I are going to fight. And Daniel, the prince of Greece is coming. And so you understand, according to world history, that the overthrow of the Persian Empire was the Grecian Empire. This happened spiritually before it happened naturally. The conflict was in the heavens. And the victory of that conflict in the heavens would manifest itself in the natural. And God gives us just a little insight into that world and that cosmic battle that was taking place. So, beloved, I want you to understand something. There are principalities and powers that know fully well what is going on in the world today. And when anything begins to deal with your heart and your joyful expectation of the return of Jesus Christ, as though it is not imminent, it is not soon, Jesus said, that is a hardened heart and that servant will be judged. Don't let anything take away from you the desire and the longing for the coming of Jesus Christ. Paul even said that there is a reward for those who are longing for his his appearing. So whatever begins to work on your heart that deadens you or desensitizes you to the coming of Christ and to being a part of his kingdom, refuse it and reject it as fast and and as diligently as you possibly can. In Daniel chapter 12 I want you to read this, just a couple of scriptures, and then I'm going, to, I'm going to close. And we'll be done for today with this. I pray God will speak to our hearts. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which stands for the children of your people. So Michael was a great, mighty angel of God that stood over Israel. And there shall be a time of trouble. Speaking of the tribulation. There shall be a time of trouble such as never was. 
since there was a nation. Even to that same time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone that shall be found written in the book. Verse 8. And I heard, but I understood not. So I said, oh, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? He said, go your way, Daniel. For the words are sealed up and sealed till the time of the end. Now notice this, verse 10. Many shall be purified and made white and tried. But the wicked shall do wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand. But the wise shall understand. Beloved, pray for wisdom. That you may understand. The end of time. The end of the age. I I fully believe that we are those who have been chosen to live in this moment. I think it's in a very, very exciting moment of time. I believe that in this moment of time, we have seen and we will see some of the greatest and most majestic demonstrations of Jesus Christ in our world. But we need to have courage and we need to have faith to walk in that. We do not need to be timid. We do not need to fear principalities and powers. We do not need to fear governments and the manipulation of men. We need to be the people who knows what God is doing. We need to be the people of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, to be filled with the Holy Spirit is a mandate for every one of us. If we will walk for God in this world, in this life that we're living in. The gifts of the Holy Spirit have got to operate through you. The time has come when it's not one man celebrity or one woman celebrity who's going to shake the earth for Jesus Christ. But it's going to be that one Jesus Christ through whom is reflected through a multitude of people who have come to serve him with their whole lives. And they love him with all of their hearts and the gifts of the spirit are going to flow through their life. I tell you this, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, be empowered with the Holy Spirit, because I can promise you that God is not going to leave this world as a howling wilderness for demons to infest and live in throughout eternity. But God has reclaimed this earth through his shed blood, and he is going to come back to be the king of this world. He is going to set up his throne, and it is an everlasting kingdom. And there will be no rival to the throne of Jesus Christ and of his father David. This kingdom is everlasting, and in all enduring. It is a kingdom of peace and it is a kingdom of righteousness. There will be nothing that is able to overthrow it or overcome it. And this is the kingdom of God that we are being called to as well. The kingdom of Jesus Christ and to celebrate the Lord. There will be the rise of kingdoms and there will be the fall of kingdoms. Because I'm not too sure when Jesus Christ is coming back, but I know it could be at any moment. And I want to serve him with all of my heart until that day. And if for some reason I live my life on this earth through the fullness of my years, And I don't see Jesus Christ come back. Well, at least I didn't waste it by living for Jesus Christ with all of my heart. I want to live for him with all of my heart. And so all of the clamor for elections, all of the vortexes of things, all of the babbling of voices, all of the parading of statesmen and politicians. What are these but the dust of God's feet? 
God is moving the strategic patterns on his board. All of the chess pieces. He will not be checkmated by Satan. He is checkmating Satan. He is putting Satan in a place where he cannot move. And the only option is defeat. And all of those that have joined themselves to Satan are going to suffer from that defeat. Every move on the map. Every article in the paper. Every revolution among men. Every nation that comes forth and every nation that dissolves is but furthering the pattern and the plan of God to the great showdown and demonstration and manifestation of his glorious son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming and the world can't stop him. They thought they got rid of him, but he's coming back. He's coming back and we need to herald that. We need to proclaim that. I will not miss this for the world. I'm not going to miss for anything. Jesus Christ going to his father, sitting on that throne, saying, Father, I'll open that book. Give it to me. There's not a man found worthy. Oh, but there is the lamb who was there. I'm going to watch him take that book and open it up. I'm going to watch him mount that horse in heaven and tell the armies of heaven, it's time. It's time for my kingdom. It's time to put an end to this rebellion. And I'm going to ride with him back to this earth. I'm going to see Antichrist with all of his demonic power and all of the manifestations of Satan in him try to stop Jesus Christ as he comes from heaven and without lifting a finger just speaking a word Jesus Christ is going to demolish him. He's going to be thrown into the lake of fire. I'm fighting on the winning side. This is the glorious thing. This is the beauty of it. I'm fighting on the winning side. We should be excited about this. Come on, put on your armor. Be soldiers of Jesus Christ. Americans are some of the most flaky people you'll ever meet. We get so soft. We get so broken. We can't take much. They offended me. This hurt me. I'm telling you, get ready for some real offense. Get ready for some demonic hostility. Get ready for some persecution that comes from your brothers and sisters that you thought that loved you, but love Jesus with all of your heart. And don't put your hope in man, but put your hope in the man Jesus Christ who will never fail you and walk with him be strong set your face like flint towards the Lord Jesus Christ and towards his kingdom because God's plan is the same from the very beginning it wasn't thrown off track when eight when when Adam fell God before he laid the foundations of the world knew that his son was the lamb of God that was slain and God prophesied through the prophets that this earth is mine and as sure as the blood of Jesus fell from that cross and landed on this ground it cried mine this is the Lord's world This is my father's world and God is going to deliver it from its curse and the birds are going to be free and the rivers are going to be free and the pollution's going to be gone and the world is going to be at peace and men are going to be at peace and the lion will lay down with the lamb and a little child shall lead them. God will be in the midst of his people. Oh, beloved, I tell you with all of my heart, serve him like a soldier. Sign up, enlist yourself and understand I gave my rights away when I joined up to this kingdom. And I gave my life away when I surrendered to this king. He's worthy of it all. He deserves it all. I'll never know death. I'll only know life. I'll never know destruction. I'll only know peace. I'll never know a setback. I'll only know the advancement of God. This has to be the desire of the church of God. Come on, American Christianity. Put on the armor of God. Let us be the soldiers of Jesus Christ. Let us quit backing up and being intimidated. They might come against us. 
Nations might revolt. Governments might develop laws against us. They might call us a hate group. They might come and imprison us. Your bank account may run dry. But I'm telling you, your God reigns. Your God reigns. And there's a sufficiency of grace. A sufficiency of grace to get you through. Your God reigns. We need to have prayer meetings. We need to believe that what God is doing in that spiritual world can be done in this earth today. It's time for not the anemic prayer life of Christians in America anymore. But it's time for Holy Spirit filled prayer. It's time for people to know the will of God. It's time for Christians to stop disqualifying themselves. Thinking I have nothing to offer. And believe that God the Holy Ghost can get everything out of your life that he wants to give. But it has to pray first. We have to be in the presence of God. How can we know what God wants to do if we spend no time with God? How can we know what God wants to do in our work next week if we don't spend any time with God? Your family's falling apart. How do you ever hope to put it back together if you don't spend time with God? And God can say, thus saith the Lord, this is what's going on in your health. This is what's going on in your family. This is why finances are tight. It's not because I failed to be a father. I'm bringing you through something so that I can get you to trust me. In a time when most people will not, there will be a great falling away. I've watched it begin. I've watched it begun to happen. I told Daryl Turner during that epidemic of COVID, I said, my God, Daryl, if this isn't the great falling away, one third of Christianity left the church and said they're not coming back. We got more people watching church on social media, but I'm going to tell you, that's not the church. Thank God if that's all you can get to, but that's not the church. And I'll tell you this, all of these things that are transparent today, Daryl Turner said, Brother Lee, I'm telling you, that's not the falling away. Get ready for what I believe is coming on the earth. And all I can say is, I hope you're wrong. I hope you're wrong. But there's something in us that understands the conflict is not coming. The conflict is here. But thank God we're not trying to win anything. We won. God has given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we've won. Beloved, it's time to pray. It's time to worship. It's time to praise. It's time to share the gospel. It's time to not apologize, but declare the truth of God. It's time to stand up against this demonic enemy. We're not left in the earth to let nations triumph against God. We're not left in the earth to let Satan's power become all powerful. We are the light. And as long as we're in the world, Satan can't do what he wants to do. The only way Satan and the Antichrist are going to be able to do it is if the church gets out of here. So I'm saying let's be the church Filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And let's cause havoc to the devil's kingdom. Let's be rebels. Let's be rebels to the devil. And to the devil's kingdom. Let's be a rebel to that. And let's show what God can actually do. Stand with me. Oh, praise God. There's no uncertainty. There's no time to be tired. There's no time. There's no time to sit on the sidelines. It's the end of the game. Even the best players, when they're injured, they've got broken bones. They get out on that field and they play. Oh, they play with all of their might. Wouldn't it be better to die for Jesus out of exhaustion if you had to than doing nothing? Oh, God. Oh, God. Come on, beloved. Draw near to me in this altar and let's stand before God.